Blog Talk Radio. Greetings, greetings, greetings. It's another edition of Revolutionary Voodoo, New Orleans Voodoo Secrets and Recipes. Come on in, come on in. The fire is hot, the water is a boiling. Come on in. And come on in. Come back home to Africa. Come back home 
the experience in this season of, of Corona. So the beloved Denise Augustine is reworking her experiences to meet you where you are, where you might want to be. And we invite you to visit us at www.OurSacredStories.com. All is truly and indeed a blessing. Understanding that the creation of sacred space is critical that all that we do, all that we are, all that we say that we are, but indeed our ultimate demonstration stands up in our ability to create and recreate sacred space within us, around us, and then, of course, to project that out and to birth that created space throughout all humanity, particularly in the perilous times of which that we now have our being in. I pray that all of you came through the weekend prayerfully, peacefully, blessed as we move into another powerful rendition of revolutionary voodoo, New Orleans voodoo, secrets and recipes. I said that we would talk about witchcraft. You all seem to have been really gung-ho to talk about it. <laughs> so now we get to show up. Let's, let's do this thing. I want to acknowledge each and every one of you, all of you, for being present here with me in the chat. And of course, wherever you might be viewing and or listening, my phone lines are open at 845-277-9143, 845-277-9143. Be patient with me. Allow me the opportunity to come back and, and notice your hand is raised by pressing that number one on your telephone keypad. And then I'd be more than happy to bring you into the conversation. And of course, you can follow the link that I will copy and paste back into the chat that will allow you to be a co-host here live on screen. Your webcam is ready, willing, and able. I will be more than happy to bring you in on screen. Uh, give me a second here. Okay. Yeah, it's nice to have a little help, but y'all forget that I did this for over a dozen years by myself. <laughs> All is a blessing. All is truly and indeed a blessing. So let's just jump on in here. This creative, powerful topic and subject matter that everybody wants to claim and, and now possess. And of course, now that I've stepped a, a little bit beyond the realm of, of, of voodoo, I think I hear crickets in the back row. And where are all my wannabe witches and all my wannabe practitioners and my experts in witchcraft that normally have so much to say 364 days out of the year? But now that we have a show entitled Witchcraft, they're not here. They're missing. They're absent. So it is impossible to start a conversation about witchcraft without at least trying to narrow down an origin, a point of origin. And the actual origin of witchcraft, although Margaret Murray did her best to trace it back from the uh, persecutions of the Middle Age to the beginnings of humanity in the Paleolithic Age, 
the early time was the beginning of religious magic rather than the beginning of witchcraft. And I think that's a very clear and distinct point to make right out the gate as we move into this conversation of witchcraft is not voodoo. We are looking first for our roots, first for our ancestry, first to go back into to the indigenous world, if you will, with any manifestation of anything that's not Judeo-Christian, Islamic, etc., the modern main dominating traditions and belief systems, which now permeate much of the world. But we still see indigenous people in South America and in Brazil and in, in the Central America, in Africa, in Asia, and indeed in portions, I'm sure, unknown to me, um, Eurasia, where indigenous practice and tradition is still being acknowledged, still being recognized, even in concert with, if not direct competition with these mainstream dominant world religions, and particularly dependent on where you are on the globe, where you are on the map, uh, these show up to be a bit more fervent than in other areas of the world. We like to think uh, America is come as you are, uh, acknowledge the God of your choice, acknowledge the, the, the religion of your, of your choosing, but we all know, particularly in this space, that there is a predominant and predominant energy that is pervasive throughout American culture and, and indeed the Western world. Some would think, take offense if I said that it was Catholic or if I said that it was Christian, but indeed it comes out of the same pot, if you will, many branches from the same tree, from the same root. But when we look at religio magic, religio magic, meaning predating organized, structured religion. We might even look at uh, comedic practice today w- with a, a much more fine-tuned uh, lens. We indeed might look at Heka today with a much more fine-tuned lens. But we're talking about religious magic rather than being mag- witchcraft per se. Now, in those primitive times, nature could be awesome to humankind. The sun, the roaring wind, the crackling thunder, the flash of lightning were all things that seemed to have power, if not a mind, unto their own in the old world. But out of awe and respect came a belief for God and a God of the wind and the God of the rivers and the God that lives and exists within trees and all things that drew respect. This is the making, the beginnings of animism, animism, the most potent factor in the evolution of religion and a belief that lingers even today in the islands of the South Pacific, in the bush of Australia, the jungles of Africa, and anywhere where the indigenous footprint to include ATR can still be felt. But Again, let's be clear. We're talking about religio-magic or the presence or appearance of magic as it shows up in nature. Sometimes we like to uh, misuse Iyami, and we say Iyami is, is witchcraft. 
in an English Western uh, context, but I often compare it to childbirth. Pushing out a baby ain't, ain't witchcraft. It's indeed a form of divine magic. And so it becomes religious magic once we attribute deities, a protocol, a certain order, if you will, of, of putting things together. In the indigenous world, we might say they were concerned with uh, first chakra, second chakra energy, survival, staying warm, depending on where you were on the globe, having food and access to food. And then, of course, the creation of tools, the, the birthing of fire among humanity. And so we see God develop around pursuits that uh, um, demonstrate human, human life. When we start looking at um, witchcraft, we have to bring it into a, a modern context because there is no indigenous footprint for witchcraft. Now, that's shocking to some of you who, who may not know or, or only know what you've been exposed to but indeed, there's a great deal of ego and consciousness that stands up in witchcraft that we don't see demonstrated in these more um, magical, religious, indigenous tr traditions. We see the desire to control. We, we see the desire to uh, gain access to. Uh, whether it be resources or, or money or, or abundance, uh, by way of a quick fix, by way of a diagnosis that's um, separate from the normal chain of, of addressing an issue. I like to compare it to um, all the over-the-counter medications that are sort of promoted at us and pushed at us every day um, in TV, radio, advertisements. Etc. And of course, because of strange laws in our country, some of them don't even go into a whole lot of detail, don't necessarily tell you what the medication is or, or it's for. Um, and that's left up to the consumer, the, the conscious consumer, to take responsibility for. And so we see the development of ego based, circumstance based magic. Um, getting revenge on, on the presumed enemy, um, gaining quick access to monetary gains or, or resources um, without the normal means of, of work or, or processes. Um, of course, all of the, the binding your enemies and, and battling that we see in modern demonstrations of, of many forms of, of witchcraft uh, is in the context of history, uh, a very modern thing when survival would have been our ancestors' first concern. Um, survival, having food, having shelter, ha having warmth, having access to water, having access to rain, and in a certain consistency that we came to depend on in nature, predating digital clocks, pre predating electricity predating all the gadgets that we now use to separate ourselves to some degree from nature while still marking time, while still 
you know, representing time in a very linear fashion that works for us in our indigenous, not indigenous, in our industrious, um, technically advanced culture that we like to say that we now exist in. But we find among this group of vegans and vegetarians and healthy folks and holistic practitioners and healers, we find in this group a more leaning towards regaining a connection to nature. It is not supported, if you will, by mainstream society. It's not supported every day when you turn on your TV um, or or when you see the quick fix, the quick pill, the over-counter application to something that would in a modern context, at least require medical intervention. And then in a more indigenous context, um, spiritual intervention or or the combining of the two. We understand that even predating enslavement, there was a time when we didn't have pharmacies. We had the apothecary of the healer, uh, the great mothers in our community, the wise elders and fathers in our community. I'm so ready access to that which exists in a pill in a bottle. Again, in the context of history, it's new. We see a much longer timeline of history where we sought nature, where we sought Mother Earth, where we sought the dirt, the seas, the rivers, um, and of course the, the forest for not just our nourishment and our sense of what being prosperous is, uh, but indeed for our healing. So there has to be um, a clear understanding and distinction between what indigenous traditions call religious magic or spiritual magic or, or healing versus what and how we identify um, witchcraft. And witchcraft can be real crafty today. And particularly in the commercialized uh, popular market in which witchcraft now exists, where uh, labels matter, uh, tags matter, what a product looks like matters, how much a product costs matters. And for many, that, you know, sort of takes precedent in, in terms of um, priority over whether it really works or not. Now, we can easily put it right back into everyday context. What separates all those various brands of toothpaste, you know, on the shelf? What separates one brand of toilet paper from another? Outside of the most obvious things that, you know, speak to us about a brand or about a, about a label. Uh, does it work? Practical? Is it readily accessible? Is it economical? And so a great deal of what these traditions are, whether we're talking authentic demonstration of these practices or even the the more modern uh, pop pop cultural demonstrations of these these practices, um, it's often contingent on the market, the market. So as long as there are people who are willing to buy, you know, the 99 cent product or the $10 toothpaste versus the 99 toilet paper versus the 
more expensive brand, those brands will always um, continue to exist. But when we start separating truth from fiction, does it work? Is it reliable? Is it practical? Is, is it repeatable? Some of the very same processes that we would apply to science. And, and, and again, there was a time on the planet where there was no science, there was no psychiatry, there was no school and halls of, of medicine, and, and these things all would have existed, coexisted together in the realm of your healers, your Dibia, your Obia men, um, your, your medicine men and women as they show up throughout world cultures in various world traditions all over the globe. And where we see them competing uh, with one another is indeed where we might lack money or resources or a certain degree of, of prosperity. You might say that those who exist in the country might be a little bit more, uh, you know, apt to want root medicine versus those who, who live in a city. I would say that that's not true at all. And particularly in today's environment, particularly in today's environment. So let's talk about witchcraft and versus voodoo. Let's talk about witchcraft versus any of our ethno-cultural world practices and traditions. A greetings, um, Neophyte Bokor, beloved. And I think it's um, in, in that frame of reference, it's universal because um, whether we're talking about what's authentic to witchcraft or what's pop cultural demonstration, um, I think the lines have blurred uh, so deeply, as I tried to uh, lay out uh, earlier in the show, between commercialism, pop cultural demonstrations of these traditions. And then, indeed, how we see them um, showing up at the grassroots level. So I'm sure if you, you're in the jungles of Brazil. You know, you're in a country, the, the deep south of, of Mississippi. You know, you don't have the botanical. You, you don't have the quick, regular access to uh, the, the shop, the store. Uh, even today, even in 2020, uh, and with the car, there's still not the proliferation of um, those type of retail establishments, um, as we see in some of the bigger cities, some of the more cosmopolitan cities like Atlanta, New York, Chicago, and, and, and indeed uh, in L.A. 
So I, I like that approach at researching a word, researching a topic, and understanding um, its root and, and from which it came from. I also think uh, you opened up a doorway there for us to also discuss um, about that sort of religious demonization that, that has now been attributed to uh, witchcraft. Some would say that um, that aside from that, then it's it's no separate than Wicca, and and I'm here to argue that that's not true. That Wicca and witchcraft are indeed not the same thing, um, any more than Voodoo and witchcraft would be the same thing. And if I had to reduce it to its most common denominator, um, again, I, I would say it, it's once ego comes into play because there's no ego in nature. Ego doesn't exist as we know it among humanity in nature. So it's an introduction of a, of a control that does not exist in indigenous spirituality and tradition and in how those traditions um, are, are manifest. Now it does not mean that witchcraft has not found its way into the village. It absolutely has. Witchcraft has found its way into the village, has found its way into the countryside, just as much as it, as it has um, in the city. And even when we look at uh, a Nigeria, a Ghana, a, a Cameroon, and today their uh, impression of, their interpretation of, of witchcraft is really a negative thing. But, but even predating Christianity and Islam, uh, anything that divides the village Anything that separates the sanctity of the unit um, was seen as a form of witchcraft. Are you with me, uh, Neophyte Bokor? Yes, sir. I'm still here. Um, yeah, I'm going to throw in one more, uh, one more thing. Uh, economics and politics. Economics and politics are key to understanding what witchcraft is compared to voodoo. Mm-hmm. But the, the reason why they were fighting over religion is for trade routes. You could 
I would say, give, give me a second. I, I would say um, to call it um, crystal Lynn wit, to call it um, a mixing pot would be uh, just, would be taking it too far. Um, again, when we talk about voodoo, you can't talk about it outside the context of slavery. You can't talk about it outside the context of the Middle Passage, and particularly here in the New World, in, in the context in which New Orleans would have access to that. So the wants and the needs and the desires of uh, John Lafitte and the pirate and the slavers um, absolutely gained presence in the footprint that we know as, as New Orleans voodoo, and, and particularly from an economic standpoint, uh, which I believe is, is one of the points Neophyte uh, Bocour, um is trying to make. Um, you, you can't sell a, a product or a service somebody who don't have money, who don't have income, who don't have resources for uh, buying services and goods, you know, of the, indeed that, that type. And even now in 2021, the poor of the region, hence Haiti, for instance, uh, we, we somehow associate that with authentic voodoo practice. But when we look at Cuba and, and Lukumi and even how uh, ATR is often demonstrated here in, in, in America by those who have a certain degree of wealth, a certain degree of resources, a certain degree of time to commit to taking on a, a whole nother cultural nuance while still maintaining, you know, our earth and reality, you know, in, in the Western world. It's a lot. It's a whole lot. Um, I'm often asked about, you know, the cost for services. Uh, and so we then have to look at it, you know, how much does a, a chicken cost? How much does a whole pig cost? How much do candles that are already dipped and made and housed in, in glass cost? And then compare that to, you know, that ugly word, third world country or, or more indigenous uh, country than, than what we exist in where people might be making that and then trading that and then sharing that for the benefit of, of the community. Um, there's a certain order that stayed within Haitian 
culture, for instance, that we didn't have that luxury for uh, up here <laughs> north of the of the uh, of the border, you know, because of lynching, you know, and and mutilation, and and all the ugly horrors that exist within this this beast that we we try to quickly, you know, gloss over as uh, slavery. I also think it's important to know um, that I can see a turn, particularly when we look at the Bois Cayman and, and that series of ceremonies that led to the Haitian Revolution, uh, a sort of a turning from righteous practice, natural practice, to now wanting some means of fighting back the system of, of white supremacy and oppression and enslavement. And, and so that, too, would have given birth to a new demonstration of voodoo, which we would not have seen in the old world, which we would not have seen, you know, in, in Nigeria prior to um, enslavement. So we can't discuss voodoo with four O's without looking at slavery. And, and its effect on creating and recreating cultures and ways of masking cultures within this system. We also use your religion, Catholicism, Christianity, and even Islam to some degree to mask our connections to indigenous practice, to indigenous tradition in an environment where we could have been, again, killed, mutilated for it. Um, so to say that sort of this mixing pot, um, to, to suggest it as a mixing pot suggests that it's voluntary. Um, we like to describe America as being, you know, a mixing pot. We didn't agree to mix. We just here. <laughs> we, we just here, and we are a product of. We, we didn't agree to be here. So uh, out of any other uh, ethnic group who made their way here. Um, even the refugee had a choice to flee their country and, and, and come here. Um, we didn't really have that, that choice. We didn't have that option. So we have to be very careful when we're looking at the history, the footprint of ATR in the Americas, that we don't go the way of commercialism, pop culture, and try and erase that that history and, and erase that lineage, which still stands up in, in much of our craft today. So when you see the 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 white Madonna or, or the black Madonna, you know, or, or, or the various saints, you know, in, in their clothing, their coated clothing and, and, and attire, um, you are seeing a footprint of history. But you are now seeing a demonstration of, of modern witchcraft, and, and I like to talk about the Orisha romance, where everything now is at, at your fingertip in, in a book, or, or at least so we believe it to be. Um, I, I, I live for the day that we move beyond, you know, thinking that everything is condensed in a book, it's condensed on, on a website, it's condensed in a, in a, in a package. And we really begin to examine um, what it is that we're doing and what we're participating in and what we're operating in. Some of you have already made that leap in terms of your food. There's people right here in this audience that read every label, 
Don't don't buy anything artificial. You are religiously vegan. You are religiously vegetarian, and, and you're careful about the source and, and where it came from, and 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 what you know what was the journey of, of that food product, but you know between its source and, and your table. But somehow when it comes to this ATR, it, it's a free for all, and and it's all up. Grab it, it is indeed all up to be sort of thrown into that gumbo pot, uh, crystal, you know, of, of just mixing, you know, whatever I feel together. And, and let's be real if you've ever had authentic gumbo, everybody can't make gumbo. Everybody can't throw stuff in a pot and make it taste. You know, like something. Uh, otherwise, we'd all be chefs. You know, otherwise, we would all be cooks. Um, and we would be making our living from that. We, we, we would be supplying ourselves and others, you know, from that. Now, hold on for a second. Hold on for a second, because I like that point. But what Goddess Initiative is is saying in the chat, because she's also saying if you read the Bible correctly, it'll lead you straight to the craft. And not witchcraft, though witchcraft is mentioned there and is demonstrated there. Um, But it will indeed lead you back to what's indigenous to these cultures, to these people, uh, to these traditions, and particularly in the Old Testament. Some of that was sort of bleached off and and, and sponged away in the in the New Testament, um, and and I don't want to digress too much because we we did that the other day, just in the topic of sacrifice. You know why did they switch from the goat, the chicken, you know, to you eating in the body of Christ and, and drinking the blood, and and what are the symbolic representations there that have everything to do with magic and, and witchcraft. Um, so I like... Mm-hmm. 
then it comes all the way back around to um, has anybody ever seen the process of how you make your uh, anointing oil? The same thing that you have to do to go and make your anointing oils, technically the same exact thing that you need to make the oils that we use there in Baptist. And what's the bomb of Gilead? What is that? And, and, and why is that such a and why is that such a big issue, you know, in, in a particular region, you know, of that magical book? But somehow, that, that's why I call it a God spell. Greetings, Chief Bougie. That's why I call it a God spell, because your eyes have to be covered over. Your, your understanding has to be covered. Your ability to see and hear, and some would say to think for yourself, which is how, you know, Satan, we, we can talk about Satan too in this conversation of witchcraft, um, came to be so revered. You know, when we look at his most basic elements, even in the magical book, light bearer, someone who shines light, gives us illumination, you know. Yeah. Come on back, DP. We waiting on you, beloved. We waiting on you. Yeah, the three wise men. Okay, all is a blessing. Greetings, mom. Greetings, mom. And some of you all who know my mom to be an evangelical minister <laughs> will be shocked to know that I know some of this stuff because of my mom and because of learning how to study the Bible from my mother. Watching my mother use more than one book, more than one dictionary, more than one, you know, symbolic frame of reference for understanding what's being said and, and how it's being uh, said. Um, not only Fat Boy did they use astrology, um, but there are a number of witches in the Bible also. Um, the witch of Endor in the Old Testament, I would say, is the first that stands up in my in my uh, memory. Uh, yes, uh, Sandra, see, there's a there is a, a specific difference between how Satan is used and demonstrated in, in the magical book and also how Lucifer is uh, symbolized and referenced in, in the magical book. So there are many, many nuances to, to this topic that um, we can discuss and even in subsequent shows um, about what witchcraft really is, how it stands up in the world, how it continues to stand up in the world and how it as a um, how it is used to dissuade you from things that might otherwise open you up to a better understanding about yourself um, and who you are and, and where you're from. Um, I know some people who are 
deathly fearful of studying other books other than their religious books or, or learning about spirituality and, and religion in other parts of the world and other cultures. Uh, because of this demonic, satanic footprint that, that has been stamped on any part of the world um, that's not white, Christian, Catholic, Islamic, um, Judaic, um, and, and dominating um, in terms of gold and silver, um, in terms of our world economies. Um, there's a lot to be said about the Illuminati being demonized for introducing enlightenment into, into the world. And so we now see the Illuminati as something of a, of a negative, something of a, a direct connection to, to witchcraft and, and Satanism and, and, and dominance and control. All of the very things that I started out this conversation suggesting that make up the dynamics, the framework of what witchcraft really is. Once we step outside the realm of nature and healing and, and, and gathering of our food resources and, and, and maintaining a balanced connection to Mother, Father, Earth, um, and introduce ego, control, dominance, greed, having access to that which rightfully doesn't belong to you, um, that's when we introduce witchcraft into any religion, any religion. I know some devout churchgoers who burn candles and work the book of uh, Psalms um, like a witch. And I use that word specifically, <laughs> like, like a witch, you know. So it doesn't matter. Um, to some degree, it doesn't matter the, um, the religion. Now, indeed, there are some religions out there that are rooted in witchcraft. So, so I'm not talking about those in particular, but you can find a demonstration of, of witchcraft in any main world religion. Anywhere you find greed, anywhere you find selfishness, where you find ego run amok, you'll find a cultural footprint for witchcraft. So we can look at authentic Yoruba and authentic Akan and authentic voodoo and see people weaving, you know, a wicked web within those systems based on um, uh, witchcraft principles. Um, me and my mom sort of had this discussion over the weekend based on some of the things that I've been posting um, on my Facebook page uh, from my YouTube channel. Um, I love Nollywood. I love Nollywood movies, Gollywood movies. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with these movies that are being produced in, in Ghana and, and Nigeria in particular, um, no matter what the wildness of creativity or imagination, they often have a religious undercurrent to them. Um, and depending on the dominant religion in that region, whether it be Islam or, or Christianity, you will often see the religion itself show up uh, as a hero character somewhere uh, in these movies. So some of the movies I can't, I can't even stand to watch uh, because they're just too, they're, they're, they're just too over, over the top. It, it's like watching a, uh, you know, an, an evangelical service with a little bit of horror thrown in there. 
but, but then there are others um, that I've been posting uh, more recently that I found um, creatively intriguing and interesting um, for its entertainment value, for its value in terms of their use of technology um, in the application of, of the movie, um, and then for their ability to balance that religion thing with uh, imagination in, in a way that's realistic. I don't think it's realistic to sort of uh, create you know, the horror movie with the sole purpose of trying to teach religion. Some people would say that the churches that were doing that Halloween thing, what what was it, Hell House? That was sort of the beginning of Hell House uh, coming under fire um, from within the religious community, but also from outside of, of the religious community. And so as a performer, Myself, a professional actor and performer and cultural performer and, and um, um, performance art performer, I think there's absolutely room for imagination. There's absolutely room for creativity, whether it's in a painting, a drawing, a, a book, a novel. But I think it also has to be a clear distinction between a dictionary and, and a fictional book. It has to be a clear distinction between history um, and the retelling of something that is um, based out of the, the preconceived ideas and notions of a particular author. Uh, when we look at studying and Googling and binging and researching uh, ATR and, and voodoo, I often throw out little, uh, you know, I, I'll come up with certain words that I know in these traditions you can easily research uh, just to give people an idea um, of, of what's out there and what's available and, and the degree of work that it takes to get to it. Um, and that was my point with uh, the goddess initiative about, about the Bible and, and not just the craft, but witchcraft. Um, I came through that same road, through that same path, being raised up in a, in a black, spiritualist church, a black Baptist church, then an evangelical uh, apostolic um, prosperity ministry-based um, church, and then having a mother who, who's a retired educator who, who had a library card, <laughs> who taught us how to access um, museums and, 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 and whatnot. Um, I, too, came to where I am today as a product of, of the Bible, as a product of the church, and wanting to better understand what that was, the Bible, God, the church, and, and all of its various uh, components. So I say be careful about what you ask for, um, much like the story of Adam and Eve and, and partaking of the, of the forbidden fruit that somehow now gives them this miraculous wisdom and knowledge and understanding. So be very careful about praying to God for wisdom, about praying to God for understanding, about praying to God for clarity, because God will indeed give it to you. If you're willing to open your eyes, if you're willing to do a little research, if you're willing to read some some books and and study, you know, some manuscripts and some texts, um, God will put it right in front of you. And then what you do with it um, is solely in your hands. 
what I choose to do with that information may not be what you choose to do with it. For me, there was no other path for me. <laughs> for voodoo. Um, so, so before I weave a big story, um, there was no other path for me. Um, from the time I heard Aunt Vicky and them Broomfields mention voodoo, you know, at age two, age three, it was it was a done deal for me. It was a wrap. Um, we didn't become evangelical Christian until I was 13 years old, 12 going into 13 years old. So I, I grew up in the Black Spiritualist Church, the Black Baptist Church that had Catholic saints in the hallway, but nobody ever explained to me why <laughs> until I got older. Um, that I begin to understand why Potomac Baptist Church had those Catholic saints in it, um, that it was a spiritualist church. Um, so be careful about what you ask for. Be careful about what you pray for. Be careful about what you beg God for. For indeed, your words have power. Your words have power. And, and, and when we pray to God, when we pray to ancestors, we, we only expect the truth. We we only expect that thing that we that we ask for. So some would say, be careful about what you pray for with clarity. Yes, I've heard of the six and seven books of Moses. Um, yes, beloved um, Evelyn Preston, I can't really tell by your picture. You, you look like you might be about my sister's age, maybe a little bit younger. <laughs> but yeah, those books have been around since. Um, the 60s and the 70s, the book of Psalms, uh, as we know it in, in ATR, um, I believe was first published in the late 60s, com- coming into the 70s. So many of those books um, I read early on in my journey, early on in my journey. Um, and I know some people who still read from those books. I'm related to those people, so I, I had to pause and be careful. Um, who are still reading those books, but in all honesty, um, I don't see growth there. There's not a spiritual move forward there. So I believe that those books can also become a trap, just like your candle book, your dream book. You know, all those things can be a trap um, because you start thinking that the spirit world is somehow so literal that it can be well mapped out like that in a book. You've already taken a decor, a, a detour off the path of, of what spirit is and what spirit can do. I know it's real easy for us to, you know, associate certain colors, you know, with certain prosper green and prosperity, you know, green and, 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 and health. You know, it's real easy to make sort of those connotations, particularly when they are regurgitated over and over again uh, through these books. And and I'm a reader who likes to read the fine print. I like to read the bibliography. I like to read the the, uh, table of context. I like to read the index and the glossary. Often that's what I read first. If I'm going to pick up a book, whether it's at a store or at the library, um, back when we did it, in a physical kind of way. <laughs> um, we were taught to look at the fine print first, and then you delve 
you know, into the book. So I like DP's way of coming at it through the religion that you're born in, through the religion that you already operate and believe you have some understanding in, and then getting down to the roots of, of what that is. But I also like and also took the pathway that Neophyte Bokur uh, suggests, which is research. Uh, again, as a child of a retired educator who, who grew up in a museum in the library, y'all need to understand, I didn't play stickball in the street, as you can imagine. But I was allowed to get on the metro, get on the L, and go wherever I wanted at a very young age. Um, we were wise kids. Um, we were smart kids. Uh, we were well-trained kids. And so one of the places that I had free access to was the Smithsonian Institution in Washington, D.C. Every museum, the Art Museum, the Natural History Museum, the Aerospace Museum, uh, Library of Congress, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I had free reign access to that. And then when you add the element of the museum, you know, I've never been to Egypt, but I've seen the pyramids. I've seen the Sphinx. Um, DuSable Museum in Chicago back in the, I believe it was the early 90s, had a whole Egyptian recreation done in, in that museum. So we do have a way of connecting to our roots and to indigenous practice and, and tradition in, in a way that makes sense, that's practical, that's truthful. It's just not the same thing as, as initiated. It's just not the same thing as, as how we mix it all up in this witchy gumbo of new age stuff, you know, in, in these rooms, social media rooms. Um, that's a whole nother thing. And that's why the discussion about what witchcraft is is so important. Um, some of you indeed are exposing yourself to levels of, of witchcraft uh, that are not in your best interest. And, and you lack the, the wisdom the third eye or the discernment to know when you're delving into areas that might not be for you, that you might not be ready for. And why, why neophyte Bocour do we always have to have the negative repercussion before, <laughs> before we take some caution? I, I hate that. That's one of the things I don't like about voodoo. It's sort of the, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You mean I cannot watch the Charlie Chan movies and, and learn how to do martial arts? <laughs> Remember in Living Color? Remember Remember in Living Color? What was that? Yeah. Do you remember in Living Color? Back in the 90s, the TV show in Living Color. 
Tommy, what's his name? The comedian Tommy Davidson. Is that his name? He played, uh, yeah, he played a, 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 a 1970s karate, you know, school teacher, and he had these two female sidekicks. I think one was black and, and one was blonde, you know, and, and half of it was like music video. And then the other half of it was, you know, just sort of made up, you know, martial arts stuff that they used to do. And I think Eddie, Eddie Murphy did that same. Yeah. Maybe it's the words that we use. Maybe maybe it's the word because if we were at, you know, Gordon Ramsay's school of cooking, you know, and we called him master, okay, we might feel some kind of way. Okay, chef, does that make it sound safer? Teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is.
Okay, and every you know, we we welcome you to participate in the conversation. You can join us here on screen. Um, my phone line is still available at eight four five two seven seven nine one four three. Just press the number one on your telephone keypad, and I'll be more than happy to bring you into the conversation. Um, yeah, I, I like how Goddess Initiative said there's so much obsession with the witchcraft that the ascension and spiritual development parts fall wayside, um, and, and, and de- definitely the mental health part. Um, and, and I agree with her. Um, and not so much fall away side, it's never even approached. I think when I look at my journey and the journey of many others, it, it's a it's a, a, a neon sign, if you will, that drew us into something we otherwise might not have been exposed to. So if all you got is religion, and then you see a movie, you read a book, you, you know, hear a conversation that... That's the neon sign that draws us now deeper. But it's a magical well, if if you will, for lack of a better word. So if you only look shallowly, you're only going to get shallow. If you look with great depth, then you will get great depth. And so the best way I describe it is it's a magical well. But I also describe it as sort of a safeguard, a mechanism. If we use Genesis, for example, you know, we believe and accept Genesis the way it has been presented to us, that somehow humanity, you know, would have been better off without knowledge of of good and evil, without having, you know, sort of eaten this this fruit, um, we, we would just be like the ants. We would just be machines. We would just be um a clog, you know, in the wheel of something much bigger, you know, than ourselves. But indeed, when we look at the spirit walk, spirit path, it is the walk to a better understanding that we are indeed something much bigger and much more expansive than than just ourselves. But I still can't figure out why. Because of the way it was gifted to us, the way it, the way it was presented to us, the way the way it's talked about, you know. And then let's not even get into the literal. Listen, I probably have, I probably have seven Bibles in my house right now that do not all have the same thing in them. I, and I'm not talking about no offshoot. I'm talking about Bibles. <laughs> and depending on who produced it depending on what decade it was produced in, depending on what part of the world it, it, it came from, they don't even... Getting 
Yeah, I agree. I like the conversation. I don't feel like I need to jump in. Um, y'all handling it. <laughs> I would add that um, espiritismo is spiritual practice in Spanish. Now, that might make it a little, you know, whether we say Cuba or DR or, you know, it, it's Spanish. Um, now, it manifests differently depending on what island, what culture, what community um, we, we look at. But it's just a, another generic word for um, spirit practice. It does not necessarily um, speak to a particular uh, group of people, if you will. Um, And, and, you know, we, we put a lot of emphasis on Egypt, and rightfully so. Um, but, man, Egypt was also being fed from other great places like Nero and Timbuktu and, and, and the, uh, the, the Sea Island uh, off the eastern coast of Africa. So it, it was also being fed uh, internationally, if you will, um, from other Um, DP, I answered your question directly based on how you asked it. You introduced Orisha and Ifa into your question, and that's that's not that's not the same thing as as spiritualism, and it's not the same thing as a spiritualism that is specific to your lineage, that's specific to who you are. Um, otherwise, you know. Wicked, witchcraft, you know, 
that, that's that's why we're having this discussion right now. Because if you if you take away ethnic groups, you take away culture, then it becomes something sort of generic and, and loosely defined that allows everyone to sort of make it fit what they want to make it fit into. And it's not the same thing as, as having a direct connection with culture and an and, and ethnic lineage that stands up in a particular practitioner's um, blood. Um, I missed the question. Um, I missed the question. What, who does? What are y'all talking about? Oh, espiritismo. Yeah. Um, I, listen, I hear what uh, Chandra saying. I don't agree. I don't agree that it is somehow a specific ethnic tradition, spirit, spiritismo. Espiritismo um, is it, too much of a mix of Catholicism and spirit mediumship, if you will, um, for it to be ethno-specific to to just Cuba. And so we see um, espiritismo everywhere, and it it didn't originate in Cuba. Um, How we came to understand um, Lukumi and Ifa originated in, in Cuba. Yeah, without culture and, 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 and that structure, um, that's Neophyte Bocor, Fat Boy. That's, um, you're asking about Neophyte Bocor. <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry, did I miss uh, Somebody in the chat was asking who you were. I I agree. <laughs> Spoken like a proverb. <laughs> okay, I agree. Without my elders and those who came before, um, I have no name or, or a tradition, for that matter. And we've often seen um, sort of a, a forced tradition here in, in America, uh, and, and we call it American culture. But but what is American culture really? Uh, if it's not indigenous uh, to the Americas. Um, it, it is then a, a picking and choosing of what we can incorporate and, 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 and bring into capitalism and, and, and the ritual holiday calendar that is retail shopping, you know, or we relegate it to a realm of unclean and we say it's all witchcraft. We say it's all Paganism. We say it's all other than the acknowledgement. Um, no cultural. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. There is cultural witchcraft, but it doesn't make it any less witchcraft. It doesn't make it any less uh, a negative demonstration within um, whether it's Italian or Asian or or African. There's no cultural context in which witchcraft is seen as a good thing, um, and particularly on the continent of Mother Africa. Uh, Ifa, for instance, Go is Iwa Pele, 
balance and, and balanced character and in balance with nature, um, if you will. That's not the same thing as witchcraft. Witchcraft is indeed the manipulation of nature, controlling and, and, and binding nature to do what otherwise would not be natural or organic to the process. So there, there is cultural witchcraft in that does witchcraft exist among the Igbo? Yes. Does witchcraft exist among the Yoruba? Yes. But is it seen as a positive? No. And the way we view it here in the West, it's definitely not some path of enlightenment to finding yourself and, and connecting with, with your roots. It is indeed the bastardization of that very thing for our own personal control and gain. You're mixing you, you're mixing religious magic with witchcraft, and those are two those are two different things. It's inevitable. Now, King, King of the Gutterland, witchcraft and Wicca are not the same thing either. Wicca is indigenous to European, Eurocentric culture and tradition, like the Nordics, like the Celtics. It's not the same thing as witchcraft. Again, once you introduce, can I make you do something that you otherwise wouldn't do? Once you introduce can I keep you in this bedroom with me, even though you might not otherwise want to be? It, the minute you introduce a, a, a spell that, that's going to magically make me hit the lotto, you're talking about witchcraft. That's not wicked. That's not a con. That's not igbo. That's not fun. Um, when we talk about cultural witchcraft, do these shortcuts exist in these various cultures? Absolutely, and they're disparaged upon. They're seen as a negative in a way that it is praised and worshipped in, in, in the Western American audience and somehow sees it as a way of getting in touch with your roots and your, your ethnic background. And, and those two things are not even closely related. Yeah, witchcraft is what people who do not know who do not know what to look for look for first. It's also the most obvious. It's also the most easily accessible. Um, I, I describe that in that if we type in 
Orisha, for instance, and, and, and the seven African powers, for instance, and in every sort of book about Orisha into the search engine, over time, anytime you put in Orisha, especially if you're spelling it with an H, you're going to get access to those records first. That's why... That's how I describe voodoo. That's how I describe voodoo. That's exactly how I describe voodoo. When you say voodoo, you're talking about Akan, Fon, Ewe, Igbo, Yoruba, Hausa. You're talking about all of the African uh, transatlantic diaspora. But when you get into specifics, you've got to look at ethnic groups. But when we're talking about witchcraft, there is an ego-based platform that's present in witchcraft that is not present in healing magic. That's not present in in what uh, uh, your midwives are doing. That's not present in in nature in in that demonstration. And in the old world, we, we had no need for that. The, the, the fruit tree was available to everybody who could pick fruit. The fish was available to everybody who could pick, who, who could catch fish. Now, you know, we're living under taxes and, 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 and capitalism and, and all these other things, and people are now looking for a shortcut to, are now looking for the quick answer to, are now looking for the quick fix to. And, and that's not the same thing as, as, as what voodoo versus witchcraft is. Well, all cultures were characterized by witchcraft by Jews, Christians, and Islam. Indeed. But even predating that, hear me clearly, predating that there was a negative footprint in indigenous cultures where anybody claiming witchcraft would have been killed would have been put away from the community, would have been set out into the wilderness where you would not do harm. The, the part that's missing here is community. Community, village, village mentality. Those of us existing in the West have a very me, myself, and I. It's about me, myself, and I. It's about my spiritual growth. It's about my healing. It's about my prosperity. And that's not how an indigenous culture would have thought. They don't see themselves as, as only, as singular. They, they see themselves as, a, as an organ, as an extension of, of, of a group. Ego that goes into doing magic just for yourself, just to make you happy, is what separates healing and indigenous religious magic from what witchcraft is. From what witchcraft is, yes, the Jews and the and the Muslims and the Christians demonize it all as as witchcraft. I know some Christians that demonize meditation as witchcraft, but y'all think meditation is real safe in in, in this group. But Christians demonize anything that's not Christian. <laughs> they demonize anything that's not Jesus and the cross and, and the Bible. 
Yet, some of these very practices are in that book. Some of the practitioners are demonstrated in the book. So, all cultures that are not under the umbrella of the dominant tradition are, are demonized, are, are, are seen thus as, quote, unquote, the witchcraft. That's not the same thing as making a specific distinction between ethnocultural practice and tradition and outright witchcraft. Now, let's look at ancient Egypt. They have a very separate word for witchcraft versus Heka in, 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 in ancient Egypt. And we know Heka as magic, ethnocultural magic. But once you invert that ego into it, once you invert that control into it, once you insert that shortcut into it, you're talking about witchcraft. You're talking about witchcraft. There's also a desire to remove God and the goddess from the equation. There's also a desire to remove morality from the equation. Because, see, if it's just magic and it's all witchcraft, then my good magic and your negative magic or, you know, then it's all the same, right? But once we get away from justice, healing, feeding and, 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 and replenishing our food supplies and our resources for the community, we, we now have time in the division of labor that is the industrialized world. We now have time to be bored. We now have time to be scornful. We now have time to be jealous. We now have time to be envious. We now have time to craft and look for and desire the shortcut because we're not hauling water all day. We're not chopping wood all day. We're not hunting for our meat for two or three days and, and bringing that back to the village. So even as we try and apply ATR in a modern context, with our modern resources, we are in some ways pulling away from what's natural and, and how what's natural shows up in spirituality and, and religion. So indeed, we are confused. A woman who has a, a pact with the devil practices sorcery and enchantment and, and indeed a, a form of witchcraft, absolutely. Yeah, that's, yeah. Listen, I watch too many Gollywood movies, too many Nollywood movies, too many movies in other countries, uh, Cameroon and, and, and Kenya. Africans do not take lightly to witchcraft at all. And it has very little to do with Christianity. Christianity has reinforced it. The evangelicals have reinforced it. And, and, and that sort of have allowed a gateway, um, you know, for, for those two things to sort of intersect. But there's a clear cultural distinction between the two that, that predates all the modern religions that, that we, we've come to know and understand. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, 
European ancient religions and cultures are not any more monolithic than they are in Africa. But you can't point out a Eurocentric ethnic group um, that practiced witchcraft uh, until right about the time Christianity, Judaism, and Islam was being crafted. Um, prior to that, no. Prior to that, no. Yeah, Wiccans call themselves witches who don't know any better. <laughs> Let's understand. Um, I was born in the 60s. I can remember when Wiccan, the word Wiccan came into usage in the mid-70s during the hippie generation, and they were not identifying as witches at all, period. Zero. Witches started becoming used in more common modern vernacular right around Charmed. I referenced that on a previous broadcast, right around Charmed. Now, that doesn't mean that there weren't witchy shows like Bewitched, but you didn't have people running around calling themselves witches based on Bewitched. Uh, Charmed presented a very different picture of, of witchcraft and, and witchery and put it in a context that made it accessible, at least from a creative standpoint, to anybody. Um, and, and now it's on, on TV. That's when we started seeing a more popularized usage of the word charm. I'm, I'm sorry, of the word uh, uh, witches. Wiccans did not refer to themselves um, as witches. That, that's, a new, that's a new thing. We have popularized the word witch, which has become romanticized, just like we've romanticized angels, we've romanticized ghosts to some degree, um, we've romanticized many otherwise um, scary or negative or dark-like forces in the context of entertainment. And, and that's sort of how we started out this show was there's room for entertainment. There's room for imagination. But we now live in a time where the lines are blurred. And I don't want to totally fault the Internet, but the Internet has a great deal to do with it. And the, and the context in which we know uh, the Internet gives it a much easier go at sort of mixing up a whole lot of things and, and even creating new things um, for a like, for a follow, uh, for, for popularity. Uh, I often see similar, if not the exact same, articles copied and pasted over and over again from one site to the other. Sometimes y'all don't even catch the typos. Sometimes y'all don't even catch the, the gram grammatical error. And it's the same exact thing over and over and over and over and over, except it's in a new site, it's in a new book, it's a new reference on somebody's somebody's page, and it's a regurgitation of what's already incorrect and inaccurate. Yeah, words have everything to do with it. Um, words matter. <laughs> and again, I know we live in a damn time where words don't matter. Grammar doesn't matter. Spelling don't matter. You know, listen, I'm in Twitter 24 hours a day. Spelling don't matter. Grammar don't matter. You know, uh, one of the most popular memes um, 
I almost reshared it too the other day. Um, oh wow! But 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 right in the middle of the meme is is a major typographical error. But yet the meme is widely pop- popular because we don't check spelling anymore. We don't check grammar. We don't check truth anymore. And and again, the internet is uniquely uh, uh, cut out for that. It's a a fertile environment for the mixing of water with wine. And and let me quote that magical book, In the Last Days, the Truth Will Be Taken for the Lie, the Lie Will Be Taken for the Truth. There's, There's some relative truth to that. There's some relative truth to that. So because it's in a book, because it's online, because it comes up in a Google search, does not make it fact, doesn't make it true. I can't find that post. And it's a real easy word to misspell, too, um, by the way. Uh This is why I have so many tabs open coming into the show so that when I get ready to find something, it's already on the screen in my face. Uh, Let me look at my Instagram. Uh, Let's see. Oh, I don't remember what it was, but it it was an easy word to, to overlook and to misspell. And so it then gets made into a meme, and then it's, oh, here it is. Bob Marley, who the cat fit, let them wear it. Now, when you go into the Google search and look for images under who the cat fit, let them wear it, you're going to see many spellings of wear it. <laughs> it was only one or two pictures that actually had W-E-A-R. Surprisingly, many of them had W-H-E-R-E. Wear it. Top 10 in, in the Google search. Doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it correct. Doesn't make it true. But we now live in a day and age where people can make up words, make up phraseologies, make up meanings, make up truths, and then depending on how well it is packaged, depending on how cute it is, <laughs> It goes viral, and and it doesn't make it any more real than not. So, you know, I, I get it. I do. I do. And, and and in a day and time when, you know, some of our our world leaders uh, aren't factual or truthful uh, about anything, it, it's real easy for us to get caught up in meaning and phraseologies and words that don't matter, that don't matter. Um, Heaven forbid words don't matter. Let's throw out all of our institutions. Let's, you know, defund the police. Let's defund the universities. Let's defund the public school system, which which (laughs) we have documented proof has harmed many individuals. But somehow now we're, we're questioning spelling and we're questioning the meaning you know um yeah sex magic has no has no foundation in in real 
um, root work at all. Um, and when we think of sex, sex magic from a legitimate perspective, uh, we would have to look at India, great deal of India, the Karma Sutra, uh, Tantra, Yoga, which is very little about sex at all. Um, it is about harnessing sexual energy and first chakra energy. But how we see, you know, sex magic sort of being tossed around uh, today, um, it's, it's not real. Um, no, all spirits are not evil. Um, all spirits aren't evil. All angels aren't good either. I like shamans and I like shamanism. Now, Crystal, even that word has been appropriated. Even that word has been bastardized, shamanism. And so, again, once we take it out of the realm of the ethnic cultural truth, it, it then becomes an aberration of wordplay in, in, this, in this market of spirituality and religion. See, if, if I haven't made the point clear enough, it's about money for 90%, 90%. And so they're going to package it, label it, make it smell real good, make it feminine if, if that's necessary, make it masculine if that's necessary, give it color if that's popular, you know, to, to clear the shelves for many of these botanica shops. And, and I say it all the time, these, these stores don't teach religion. They don't teach culture. They sell you stuff. They sell you stuff. So we now have a, a, a slew of real slippery words that we've borrowed over from various world cultures that we now use, particularly in this medium, um, to make it all even, to, to, to make it all accessible, uh, to make it accessible and, and, and readily appropriatable to, to whomever will. Um, so, yeah, a shaman is a very specific thing among very specific people. But often when we use those words shaman in a Western context, we've completely uh, removed the ethnocultural background out of it. We, we, we've taken that out of it altogether. So we have people purporting to be shamans of traditions that they aren't initiated in traditions that they aren't born into, traditions that aren't even um, akin to, to their lineage or, or their, their bloodline, if you will. Yes, many church folks that say meditation is of the devil, visualizing is of the devil. I, I've heard church folks say that vision, vision boards were, were of the devil. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like how God has worded that. Um, ego has been popularized in witchcraft. So when you look at, especially here on Instagram, so when you look at what's being sold to you, and, and let's be clear, I, I rarely post my website and my emails at the top of the page. I don't have to spend a whole lot of posts doing that. 
okay? I'm talking about the guy who wants to help you bring your lover back, that wants to give you that magic foot, you know, that's going to help you to win the lotto in, in, in 48 hours or less. Their whole packaging, ask any astute student of marketing and advertising, their whole packaging is ego. And I dare say that many of the TV commercials that you see are speaking directly to your ego. If you want it, get it now. Have it the way you want it. Have it when you want it. Have it exactly the way you want it and get it right now. Just send us 1995, you know, and we'll give us six to eight weeks and, and we'll get it to you in the mail. I love that song, Abyssinian 1995. It's written in the 70s, but it's a timeless reggae song about how we view capitalism and the selling, the buying and selling of things in, in, in the Western world. So now religion is, is a part of the buying and selling of. Now religion, outside of the framework of church and synagogues and, and, and spirit, is now the selling of a particular product. And, and some religions, some churches have bought into that. They know the church that has more luxury cars in front of it every Sunday is going to have a bigger attendance. So they make sure that your $50,000 and above cars have a very specific parking place right in front of the church to draw you in, to bring you in. Your avid TV commercial that wants to make your big, your boobs bigger and your ass bigger and your stomach flatter and, and you know, it's, it's catering specifically to your ego. Specifically. Yeah, Now, who you think did that first? Okay, okay. All right. Now, now, who do you think? Now, who do you think introduced it to the church in a, in a modern context? Reverend Reverend Ike. Reverend Ike. Reverend Ike. And I can now listen. My auntie, my my great auntie, Aunt Vicky, the one who introduced me to Voodoo, she went to Reverend Ike Church. She was a devout follower of Reverend Ike. I, mean, I think she might have sent her whole check to Reverend Ike, you know, or a great deal of it to Reverend Ike. Um, may she rest in heaven. Um, but Reverend Ike, and I can remember, again, I was, I'm a child of the 60s. I can remember when Reverend Ike wasn't all that popular to so-called church folk. They, they accused him of witchery. They accused him of witchcraft. They, they accused him of introducing uh, water into the wine. They, they accused him of introducing practices that were suspect into the the Christian mindset. And now today, the prosperity ministry, which I also would credit Reverend Ike for for birthing of, is very popular. It's very popular. 
And when we look at the history of particularly Christianity, what cultures and practices that it could not uh, appropriate, it demonized. So many of the, the ritual elements to church, to, you know, the Bible, if you will, come directly out of what they themselves would call pagan culture, occult culture, another one of those words that, that's used to sort of demonize um, a, a practice. Yes, vampires absolutely have been uh, romanticized um, a, a great deal, and particularly in, in Eurocentric culture. Um, a lot of people don't realize there are vampires in African culture, but they're not romanticized uh, any more than witches are romanticized in African culture. Um, so that was, a, that was a good point. No, we don't check truth or, or we find the truth that fits us. We find the truth that matches where, where we want to go. We, we find the truth that, you know, mirrors our, our willingness to, to, to change. Yeah, Wicca is a, no, Wicca is not a form of witchcraft. Yeah, Wicca is not a form of witchcraft. Wicca is a nature-based European practice, but it's not a form of witchcraft. Again, you, you can't bring ego into nature. Th- those two things don't, don't mix. Once you bring into, ego into it, you're, you're on a whole nother level. Um, yeah, there's no misspelling of the voodoo, at least not here. <laughs> there's no misspelling of the voodoo. Um, uh, we're speaking English, so, so I spell it with four O's. When I'm speaking French or Creole, I insert a U every now and again. Um, and then depending on what region of the world, you know, only U's and no O's at all. So I, I think, again, that's a part of the, that American Western foolishness that we get caught up in. You know, well, if it's got a U in it, then it's real. If it's, if it's got four O's in it, then it's not real. Um, and, and, yeah, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> now, I will say from a historic perspective here, specific to New Orleans, there was a time where hoodoo was being used separately from voodoo to make a clear distinction between um, a cult practice and nature between what was then being introduced to to the white community and to the greater community um i don't think you all realize there was a time people were coming from all over the world to get the greek greens out of new orleans you know to get the the, the voodoo dolls uh, out of new orleans and so there was a, a an attempt to separate authentic voodoo practice from hoodoo and so some says that hoodoo came as a as a bastardization of, a, a mispronunciation of, as a, an a, a appropriation of, uh, but it was more of a conscious choice here than what people often um, give it credit for. It was a way of, of making a distinction. Just like people today believe they're making a distinction between authentic voodoo practice if they put use in it uh, versus uh, uh, practice without using it, and, and that's not what 
distinguishes the the practice. Yeah, sex there's yeah, sex magic DP is not real. Sex magic is not real. That's that's another new concoction, you know, of, of a new generation. If you if you just go back forty years, there's no sex magic anywhere. Not a book, not a publication, not a usage of those words. And and as someone in the group suggested, um, it was created basically out of the feeding of, of the Western ego, putting, you know, bodily fluids and all that kind of stuff in, in, in people's food is not only dangerous, <laughs> but um, ungodly, <laughs> to say the least. So, um, again, that's another word. That's another new creation. Someone who could not appropriate tantric decided to create sex magic to sell books and to sell products. It's not, it's not real in the context of culture, in the context of ethnocultural footprint um, around the world. It's just not real. In fact, in many parts of the world, um, blood, human blood was, was taboo. And so even in parts of Africa, um, women would have to isolate themselves from the village, even during certain, you know, timing of the moon cycle with, with your menstruation. So there, there's a whole lot that's mixed up in what we're seeing in, in books and in, you know, on Internet publications that's not true. It's not real. It's not authentic to indigenous world cultures. Incubus and succubus are real. Incubus and succubus are real. That's not the same thing as sex magic. Now, incubus and succubus are real, and indeed they use sex as an entryway, as a portal into, into your life, into your body, into your spirit. Come on, y'all. We got two hours in. I'm starting to get hungry. I don't have any hands raised on my phone lines. I appreciate you showing up, being here with me for two hours out of the middle of your day for another edition of Revolutionary Hoodoo, New Orleans Hoodoo Secrets and Recipes. I look forward to continuing this question on my next episode and invite you all to find your way back here, if you will. Yes, Karma Sutra is the science of economic arranged marriage, um, among other things. But, yeah, that, that's a part of it. I, I agree with how you got that worded. So if that's the case, why would we use sex magic at all? Why say sex magic? I know because sex magic makes it popular and curious and and gets gets people interested in it. <laughs> okay, maybe that's why we say sex magic, but but then that would make it a misnomer. Yeah, that's not sex magic. That's 
Well, even even how we understand what what chakras are, we don't say sex. We don't imply that sex is a part of that, but that's what tantra is. Tantra is about the moving of kundalini. It's about the moving of spiritual energy up the spinal cord. It's it's not about it's not about sex, and the result, the end result of tantra is often to not have sex, but to cause the the raising of kundalini energy in in both participants, so that it can then be um, better applied, so that it can be better utilized in the higher octave of our of our consciousness. Um, and, and that would be men or women. Men or women. We often fault men for spending more time uh, focused in on sex than we do do women. But that's certainly not true, and certainly not true anymore um, in, in a modern context. I have to go eat. I'll see y'all next time. All is a blessing. Ooh, these 20-somethings swear they know something.